What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin. And as you may have seen on my social media, I am engaged now. We're going to talk about it in the episode with my guest this week, who is a huge name returning to WWE, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes is back in WWE, and we got him on the podcast this week to talk all about it. We talk about his former place of employment. We talk about coming here. We talk about his love of Wild Wild West, and we talk about a bunch more. So make sure that you stick around for the whole thing, because there's a lot of information in this one that I think you're going to want to hear. All right, enough about me, enough about my engagements, as we're going to talk about it later. Let's get into this week's interview with Cody Rhodes. Ask Ryan, his big LA Hollywood Ryan. Is there is, is I almost said is Wild Wild West two in production. Is I Am Legend two in production? Yes, Ryan? that's actually why that's why I brought that up. Yes, because I was very confused when I saw that I Am Legend two was happening because I was like, but didn't he die at the end of I Am Legend? But you're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's been a while. It is like it's ambiguous. I just was of the camp that assumed he died because it's not that ambiguous. He was. In the director's cut, he lives. That's what, my producer was saying the same thing in my ear, that in the director's the, cut, he lives. He was also immune. He was immune to being a vampire. He was attacked at the end, but they didn't show him dead. Yes. See, I thought he blew up. But the, in the uh, director's cut, we are revealing he is a, Will Smith's alive in post-apocalyptic United States. Will Smith is alive. He just cannot go to the Oscars after the movie comes out. For 10 years. <laughs> for 10 years. All right, well, let's get into this. Cody Rhodes, thank you so much for joining me today. I can't believe we're having this conversation. You know I'm a big fan of yours. If I told you a year ago that we'd be sitting down having this conversation, what do you think you would have said back to me? I probably would have shared a story with you from the last interview we did, which I don't know if you remember, but it is one of my favorite moments ever. And I don't know if this is even appropriate. We're not live, right? Are we no. live? No, we're not live. Great, even better. You uh, were doing your, your show in LA and you had Brandy and I on, and this is right before uh, All Elite Wrestling became a thing. And we were really excited to talk to you because you were always very helpful and especially during the all in and the, the ring of honor process and helping us with our brands and genuinely ryan very helpful cat Thank we you. go to do this interview but the day before the day before i think you had been hired by wwe <laughs> so i didn't know that brandy didn't know that and you were nothing but a gentleman an absolute gentleman but it was the most safe interview that's ever been done in the history like because i think you people thought maybe angry cody would have said some crazy things it was the safest interview in history and then you ran out of the room when it was done we never even saw you so we did the super safe interview and then you ran out of the room and, I, and then i found out the next day what had happened with you and congratulations or whatever it was whether it was fox or wwe and i thought i get it I get what happened now. I see what happened. No. But it was a good moment. I no, what actually happened is, is first of all, I get, I, as much as I do these interviews, I am filled with anxiety. I get so nervous, and, I'm, and I think to myself, like, people are just doing this for, you know, to promote themselves, especially back then because I didn't do a ton of interviews. So I thought, like, they don't yeah. really want to talk to me afterward. They, we just talked for 45 minutes. So I just get nervous when, in the awkwardness of, an, of a post-interview in person because I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I was still learning, uh, you know, some of the things that, that you're supposed to do when an interview is over. And one of them is not run out of the room when the interview is over and stick around and talk for a I, minute. I loved it because I remember thinking, like, well, we did promote something. And it was the safest way we could have, and then it was over. And then you, you disappeared from our lives. We didn't see you anymore. <laughs> and now here we are talking again. Congratulations, by the way. Congratulations. Thank you. Engaged. <laughs> all, over, all over social. Engaged. Congratulations. Thank you. Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, Dave & Buster's. Dave & Buster's? Yes. Dave & Buster's. What a win. Yes. So walk me through. The thing, the engagement ring, you'd set this up with Dave and Buster's? Yeah, I, I mean, I bought the, I didn't, it was not a prize that was actually available at Dave and Buster's. Okay. I, I bought the ring beforehand. I, I had it made uh, from a family, diamonds and stuff like that in the band. And then I, I yeah, I reached out to Dave and Buster's because 
as, as much as some people go like, oh, well, that's not a very fancy place, Dave and Buster's. You know, my girlfriend and I, excuse me, my fiance and I, uh, we, we go there all the time. It's like our favorite place. We love playing video games. We yeah. love playing the coin game. We love doing all that kind of stuff. Kind of like you and Brandy love going to theme parks. Like, we love going to arcades. Yeah. It's like our thing. And so I reached out to Dave and Buster's, the one that we go to, and asked if they would uh, help me out. They were super, super helpful with the whole thing. They loved the idea. They were yeah, absolutely no problem, accommodated for everything. I went there earlier in the day, and I told them, because my mom and, and uh, her, my fiance's best friend were there, so I did not want to leave the ring in the possession of some Dave and Buster's employee all day. So mm. I, I gave the ring to my mom, and so I let them know when I was on the way over, and they put it in the prize case. and. Uh, the rest is viral video. <laughs> it's great. It's great video. And then for those who follow your fiance, not just that, the, the story that she's, not the story, the real life situation of her and her mom is incredibly uh, touching and loving stuff. So for those folks who, who follow you and fo folks who are going to follow you, my gosh. Very touching. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank Engaged. you. Yeah, I, I knew it was important to have her mom there. Mom has dementia, for those who are watching who don't know. And so, yeah, I knew it was very important uh, for her to be there so that she could kind of share the moment uh, with my fiance. So I'm glad it all worked out. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. And also, uh, I, I want to say, since we're here talking, because you're right, we haven't talked in a long time. It's been a minute. You've had yeah. things going on with you had things going on with AEW. I've been here at Fox working on stuff. Um, but it really did... Um, it really did touch me when I did get the job here at Fox that you were one of the few people at AEW who I covered a lot and you were one of the few people who reached out to me to say congratulations. And so it really meant a lot to me. So I'm very happy that we have you here on the show now and that we can talk about some of this stuff. Um, you know, I know on Monday Night Raw you said that it was easy for you to make the decision to come back. But mm -hmm. as someone who, you know, I started my own website, grew it to have, you know, millions of people coming monthly. Um, I know how difficult it was for me to give that up, even knowing that coming here I was getting the thing that I wanted all along. So for a piece of you, it had to be difficult to have left AEW to come back. Would that be fair to say? When I said on, on Raw that it was an easy uh, decision, it, it was more once I'd gone over everything, I suppose, in my mind as I'd laid the landscape out in front of me and looked at what needed to happen uh, for myself, for my family, for my continued efforts as a, as, a, as a wrestler and for, believe it or not, for the industry as a whole. Of course, though, remember, we had weeks upon weeks uh the story was out there and it was public of of free agency and and all, it was all out for people to to acknowledge and understand i know a lot of people thought it was uh, a work or thought maybe it was uh part of a story and of course it could have been indoctrinated into one but the decision was easy after a certain point but the best way to describe it not to kind of go back and flip-flop as I, I flip-flop all the time. But the <laughs> truth is, the best way to describe it is it was very heavy. Um, everything about it was was heavy. It was a decision easy. Yes, because of ultimately the opportunity at my very first dream in the wrestling business and revisiting that and uh, getting an opportunity at it in the prime of my career versus waiting to the end of the prime of my career. Uh, the fact that uh, AEW had grown into this adolescent, it's not my baby anymore, and I was just one of the parents, but I'm so proud of it and and excited for its its future and the fact that the boys and girls have these these options. Uh, I did I did think it was just the perfect time, but it was really heavy. Uh, it was it was heavy because I understand my story, right? But the world doesn't revolve. Wrestlers always make the mistake of thinking the world revolves around us, thinking that every fan is going to know every detail that's in our mind and every memory and every goal and every moment. And sometimes just through the patchwork of interviews and stuff like that, they form this perception of you and who you are and even your on-screen stuff. And that's understandable. But I was very satisfied in terms of at WrestleMania itself, I felt like everyone did understand my story. Maybe they don't know what happened and why I left, but it wasn't about why I left 
AEW. It was about why I was returning to WWE. And that was very satisfying. And any, if anything, it really filled up my heart because this is incredibly real what's happening, man. It is, it's real. And I don't think you could write a better situation. No knock on anyone who writes these stories or anything like that. This is real. Um, a guy who's, you know, thrown to the wolves, however it went. And to a degree came back the leader of the pack. And I just want to keep that going forward. And there are plenty of people who watch uh, pro wrestling and sports entertainment uh, who I hope that I can just be an influence to in terms of it's not always about other people's plans for you. It's got to be about your plans for yourself. And uh, I don't think that's selfish uh, at all, especially if you didn't even ask me in the state. I'm just on a rant here on a full blown rant. So podcasting's um, for. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I, uh, I, it was a heavy decision. Yeah. Yes. To a degree, it was an easy decision. You could almost say Dan Lambert handed me the WWW championship. He handed me the title that my dad is holding in that picture from 1977. He handed it to me and in that moment, I felt like that decision was almost almost made for me. And I, I don't know if he inadvertently caused this um, industry-changing uh, moment, but there were times when it was just very, this is what has to happen. This is what has to happen and what needs to happen. And I think we did it um, with with respect and love. And and uh, and I, I, it feels like the uh, the fans casual fans, wrestling fans, sports entertainment fans, feels like the fans get it. And uh, that's, that's really touching. That's uh, I don't know how long the honeymoon phase will last, but we're on the beach right now and really, really, truly enjoying it. Well, you know, you are someone, because you mentioned it, you have inspired me. Like, to be, I'm not just saying that. Like, in being a fan of yours and watching you, just your passion and your willingness to bet on yourself is something that has always inspired me. You know, I've always thought that, you know, you took a big leap doing what you did a few years ago. And now that, you know, you're leaping back, it really does inspire me to see someone following the dreams, following their passion and not necessarily caring, you know, what people are going to say about it, but instead caring about what it means to them and how they're going to feel when it's all said and done. Wow. Well, that good. Thank, thank you. <laughs> I thank you. Uh, I I great. I'm very happy that it uh, inspires anyone. I think I think there's a lesson and you probably know this lesson very well. I did bet on myself. I continue to bet on myself. But part of betting on yourself is surrounding yourself with people who also believe. And that is one of the most powerful things as a entertainer and a competitor or performer that you can have is a real team um, that is with you, that understands uh, why, uh, that ask you the hard questions. And I have been very lucky and I'd be remiss if I didn't point out throughout it all from the departure in 2015 to the return in 2022, I've had some wonderful teammates and people who have propped me up when I was running on fumes. So that's a big part of betting on yourself is also surrounding yourself with people that want to succeed at the level that you want, that do not want to play small, that do not accept mediocrity. And that's, you know, a big part of, of, of what we do, right? You get that. Absolutely, dude. Having people that believe in you is honestly, I think, one of the most crucial things to success. I don't think that you can really get that success until people believe in you, which is why I try to talk to people on here about following their dreams or betting on themselves because sometimes you have more people betting against you than, than betting you know, on your side. So it's, it's, it's very crucial to have people like that, absolutely. Sure. And as the, stakes get, as the stakes go up, there are more people on the other side of the table. So as the stakes go up, more people join your fray and they join the contrarian side of things. They join the other side. And that is an area where our generation, I think we're the same generation, Ryan. I, yeah, we are, I think. We are. Uh, our, our generation has done pretty poorly in terms of uh, we, we have really been the guinea pigs of social media. And I mean this in general, the wrestling space and entertainment space that's right in the pocket of our age. We've been so committed to proving the contrarian side and the people who don't believe we've so 
wanting to prove them wrong, that you almost pass up the opportunity to prove the people who are just with you and want to ride with you right. Yes. You know, and yes. uh, I uh, every day I feel like it gets better in terms of no this this social media space and this new wave of entertainment and streaming and all that. Um, there, there's a way to really approach it for those who are there for you and not those for um, not for those who aren't, you know, if that makes any sense. Oh, it makes perfect sense. You have sense all kinds of trouble on social. You're a social <laughs> lightning rod, so you get it. I, 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 I've been there. You get it. I completely understand what you're saying. And actually, you know, I, for so long, you know, for so long with social media, the thing was like, oh, dunk on someone. You want to dunk on someone and mm. kind of like, Everyone goes like, yeah, good job, you know, and, and, you know, you always focus on the ones who were saying something mean to you to kind of like get back at them. And yeah. yeah, it's only been in the past like year or so where I've finally been like, you know what, I'm going to try to reply to the people who are saying nice things to me more than the sure. people who are saying mean things to me. Because I know, you know, when you're reading through the comments, you can see a hundred nice comments, but there's that one mean one that sticks with you and you go, well, that's the one I'm going to respond to. And it should not be the case. That's the one that you should ignore, but it is, it is hard to do that for sure. And, and it's, it's hard to do that. And then people make the, the decision they make that they'll say, okay, you know what? I'm done with it. Someone else take it over for me. I'm, I'm done with it. And I'm not going to look at it whatever it might be. And they may not realize that being done with it because of the negativity, you're, you're losing access to some of the positivity. I feel like there's this nice middle lane. You know, I have someone who helps me with all my socials now, but I also have access to it. Uh, I, there's this nice middle lane uh, where you can look at it. But I think I understand when someone of our generation goes off the rails on social, or any generation for that matter. It's not unlike if I was to walk into a hotel uh, by the arena today and there's a fan there saying, hey, Cody, uh, can I have your autograph? And then there's a fan next to him like, hey, that was a great match. But then there's a guy standing right next to him going, you suck, you're the worst human being alive, I hate you, blah, blah. Hum human beings, we do respond. It's, it's you, you would respond to that, whether you would just say, oh, well, hey, I'm going to take care of these folks or... I respect your opinion, or if you were to get genuinely fired up, and then you start trying to sell yourself against these people. Like, well, no, you're wrong. And the, the reality is you're a fan. You can do whatever you want. You pay your money, so you can boo. You can cheer. That's why I liked uh, some of the crowds, some of them, that were very polarizing to me. I thought that was so much fun. I was going to ask you something. It wasn't about Will Smith movies. It was, oh, here's, here's why... I've always, I've enjoyed your, what would we call it? Your um, crusade on social. Okay. You've had, you've had, you. I think if I was to have you, Mike Johnson, Dave Meltzer, um, I can't think, Jim Valley, what, all in one room, if you guys were together, I'm positive y'all would be talking about wrestling and what you like and the, how cool this was, or, hey, well, this, they did something like this many years ago that that was also really cool. Or I, it's, everyone's against each other in this space. When I did this media scrum after Mania, and all these people report different things against one another, and I'm thinking, y'all all like what we do. <laughs> what, just, what are we, what are we mad about here? Like, y'all like it. Like, you're here because you like this. It's not, the, the wrestling media is not the highest paid gig <laughs> out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, y'all like this. Just, I don't know. It's no, just, uh, I, and then you I, get on social. And I've tried. Damn. I've tried my best. Look, at, I realized I was a little combative when I first came out the gates. I had a chip on my shoulder. Yeah. I was very combative. Um, and I definitely, you know, with the Meltzers and the Mike Johnsons of the world, like, I wanted them to take me seriously. And I was going to do everything in my power to make sure they did because I was about you know leaving TMZ and all that kind of stuff in retrospect I wish I hadn't gone that hard in the beginning but it did help me get to where I wanted to go and it, you know since then you know with Mike Johnson uh, he and I recently we've made amends we're friendly with each other now and I am one by one kind of trying to go down the line and make cool with some of the people who um, I went a little too hard at in the beginning uh, I don't think it's gonna happen who, with Meltzer but Johnson was really next? one. Uh, I, I just I mean, I would love to not have problems with Meltzer and company. It's just, I just, 
I just don't think it's gonna happen. It's it's been a lot a lot of bad blood there, but just from me and them and us all I think talking crap against each other. But you've proven by coming yeah. back to WWE that nothing is impossible. I think you and Dave should. I think you should. You guys should bury the hatchet. And here I'll just give you. My sister is is a lot more. People think I'm an angry guy. My sister is far more angry than me about <laughs> perhaps some of the treatment that my dad got from different sources or people kind of trying to rewrite history, which is happening all over again, hilariously. But Dave said some absolutely wild things uh, about, uh, about the old man, about my dad. I have completely, I, I don't want to see them and I don't want to, I don't want to read them because that is my father, but people do change. They, they really do. And every interaction I've had with him um, is positive and is supportive and is real. And the, the point is, I think you should make an effort to, uh, to bury the hatchet there because all it does is we just learn more about wrestling and, and, and bring, bringing everybody together. It's such a divisive community and I'm a big part of its division. I'd stirred a lot of shit up, uh, you know, like red velvet stirred. I, I stirred a lot of stuff up. <laughs> I caused a lot of, uh, uh, dissension and, and, uh, here I am now, hopefully, you know, bringing folks together. But again, Dave, Dave and I had a unique relationship. I really appreciate uh, his his perspective. I don't I don't knock it. He does seem to use sincere, real. The information's all out there now. So when somebody tries to rewrite history, he's he has been quick to to shut them up. But yeah, Dave, uh, I am a little. Rumor is that somebody paid Dave one hundred fifty thousand dollars to take away my other half star from Mania. Which left me at at four and a half, <laughs> and I thought, I thought, okay, it was Mad Nick. Maybe they did it, and <laughs> but then they only got four and a half for something they just did. So the culprit's still out there. Unless you we don't paid, know. unless you paid Dave one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to do the same thing back to them. Maybe, maybe he's playing us against each other. Maybe he's just just taking in the money. Um, according to yeah. Meltzer, there's and no. The other thing, according to Meltzer. Everything's fine between all the former EVPs, so I don't know if he would say that. I don't know. It is. It is. I, uh, I, it is. I, 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 I love those guys. I do want to know if they paid him off, and then I paid him off as well. Um, and you took the EVP that cared the least about the stars, and now I'm like, well, where the hell is it? Where's the other half? Uh, where, you know, where's it? it's not a thing that everyone cares about. Uh, or Not that they don't, but wrestlers who flat out tell you, oh, oh, I don't care at all. Eh, come on, come on. It's, it's, you care, you care. That's like when the PWI 500 comes out and there's always the same rinse and repeat wrestler. If you care about this, you're a mark. Cool. Uh, you have to be a mark to be successful in what we do. So if you're tweeting this, you're just probably not in the top 10. Okay, well, that's mean. Does that mean? No, that's not mean. I mean, I think I that's how you in? feel. Do I need to reel it in. No, that's how you feel. Yeah. I'm trying to play it safe here, like our other interview, but still, like, don't I, play it safe, <laughs> dog. Don't play it safe. There's no point. There's no point. We need to bury the hatchet with Dave. We need to find out who paid him the money. Uh, Mike Johnson's the absolute best. Uh, I only have one that I have kind of a Jim Hurd like outlook on that I just won't say his name. That uh, that I want to like egg his house. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> it's probably for the best I there. Won't say his name. It's probably for the best there. Well, okay. I want to ask you one more thing before we get into your return and all that kind of stuff about you know your 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 former job and you know during the media scrum after WrestleMania, you mentioned yeah. to Nick Houseman that you probably didn't feel like in hindsight that you don't feel like you were mature enough for the EVP role. We got the time mm -hmm. here. What made you say that and why do you feel that way? Mm. And mature enough is what I said in the moment. And I think more I meant, I think that role I did well uh, with it. I was very active and I did start a department, uh, the community department and Brandy did bring culture city into the wrestling and sports entertainment space. So we were very active in terms of all the facets and assets of that, that gig. But I think that, job was meant maybe for uh, 
we wanted a wrestling company brought to you by wrestlers, for sure. That's a huge part of the mission. But maybe it would have been better served for me at age 45 than it did at age, you know, 33 or whatever it was. I am just now entering the prime of my career. So to make political decisions like boxing myself out of uh, winning a world championship, those decisions in hindsight um, were not the correct decisions and what I should have been doing. I'm, I'm the best wrestler in the world, Ryan. I can tell you that without it sounding braggadocious and it's simply because this is all I do. I train to do it. Uh, I live and breathe it. I have a school here with four rings. Uh, I, I treat this like an athlete in the NFL would treat a game uh, in terms of their and their team. But uh, with that in mind, if I was, I would needed to go and be that. And I wanted to be both and it was just too difficult. And that's where I did not have the maturity to balance it. It wasn't a matter of being one of the boys versus not because I'm long since I'm no longer just one of the boys. I love it and wish I could be one, uh, but I've been in this position before. I've been on the other side. I've been in these production meetings and things of that nature, and I've been part of the technical production. But I just think it would have served me better a little later in my, in my life when I could look at a show and say, I don't want to be in the top spot. Um, you need that, that good competition in your locker room, that positive, real competition. And if I can't be the best wrestler in the world, on television because I'm afraid I'm going to offend colleagues because I am also their boss, that that was the situation we were in and I just played it in the middle. And that that's uh, there was only so much of playing it in the middle I could do. And now, you know, we're I'm not in charge of nothing uh, other than me and uh, and being being a pro wrestler. And I say to you, I'm the best wrestler in the world and I felt like it for years. But now we're in a situation where I do have to be careful of how I say it because I'm not, I'm not carrying the belt. Brock and Roman, you know, they combine these championships and you have your undisputed WWE Universal Championship. That's the big one. That needs no weight. That's the truth. The truth needs no weight. That's the big one. I don't have it. Uh, so that may be the main difference between me and the other best wrestler in the world is that one of them is wearing the title and one isn't but yeah that's that's what i meant with uh with old nicky with old nicky hausman that's what i meant you know he got mad he got mad one time we're in the same studio where this was shot so he got mad one time that jake roberts was smoking in a video where we were pulling cards out or something i remember that yeah jake roberts is a grown man <laughs> what like listen i'm not trying to promote smoking you know what, what are we talking about? But it was a casino. It was real what mad. What kind of casino? <laughs> Nikki, what kind of casino are you going to, man? I remember that. And he was real fired up about it. I do remember that. Yeah, because, like, I thought, you know, I, I like, it's always my, that's what happens with me in the whole wrestling media. I find somebody, I'm like, you know what? I like that guy. I like that guy. Next day, I hate that guy. I hate that guy. Um, you, Did I, I ever do close. anything to become the I hate that guy for a day? You never did. We just laughed at how strange the interview process went. But I knew when you got the job, I was like, okay, he just wanted to make it safe and get it done. And fit you finished your responsibilities. And then you moved into the next phase of your career. So the only reason I ask yeah. is because sometimes, man, like the internet acts like I was some AEW hater. And I don't think I ever said anything. I was always like such a fan. So I think you were just on the other side. So, so if you look at the two companies, you've got like a, a side of news that covers one specifically a little more positively. And then you've got one that it's the exact same. It's just a little bit uh, divisive. And that's probably, you're, you're going to catch a, a lot of heat from stuff like that. But here's the reality. If you were to say something nice about the place that people think you're not talking about nice, that's not anything that people are going to look at. They've made up in their mind that you are, who you are, Ryan, and you just might as well lean into it at this point and just 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 live it up. You know what I'm saying? Lean into it uh, and and live it up. Because if you were to be like, no, look, I said this and I said this, they're not gonna look. Nope. Have you ever seen you Parks and Rec fan? Yeah, of course. Okay. All right. This is a lesson for every wrestler, everybody in the media, 
everybody who gets into what we do. Please watch the episode. I think it's called Bowling for Votes. Uh, Leslie Nope is running for city council. There's a guy who doesn't like her on the uh, focus group. She tries very hard to make him like her by learning things about him, getting inside, getting on a first-name basis, and bowling with him. And the moral of the story, he still doesn't like her. And he actually calls her the B-word. That, that's everybody who's in this game. Please watch that episode. It will make things a lot easier for you. Sometimes, Ryan, people are just not going to like you, man. I'm right in the middle on you. I'm right in the middle. I, I think you're okay. <laughs> I think you're okay. I think you're. I think you're okay, and that's good. And I hope you think I'm okay. No, I think you're great. I'm, I like Ryan. Ryan's very helpful to a lot of sports entertainers, superstars, wrestlers out there. Very helpful in ways that people don't know. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. You know, in talking about TV shows, you said something uh, in between your two jobs that I found super interesting on Instagram. You said uh, you said you woke up and realized you were basically Worf living the plot of Sins of the Father. Uh, what did that mean? I'm not a big Star Trek guy, but what did that mean? That's probably an area that... Uh, Too grave an area? You said I didn't have to play no, it safe, so I don't know. I, the, I, okay. And this is not a knock on anybody. Okay. I think there was... Again, I'm not going to say this person's name. My Jim Hurd is how I refer to him. And there was an individual in your world who reported a completely inaccurate story, completely inaccurate, and also contacted individuals at the company who I did not have a good relationship with. So, and that was all. And he reported this story, he or she, he reported the story, and because I had chosen to remain silent and quiet, that was the story. And it became, to, it, got, it got to a situation where it was accepted almost as fact. It was about money. Uh, at one point, it was about creative control, stuff that is 100%, the truth needs no weight, inaccurate. And I was not able, and I chose that. I chose the, to silence myself because I thought, maybe I am starting to get mature here. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to hit this ball back. But what, what upset me was his... Uh, listeners, his or her listeners, I'm trying to be very gentle here, were very, they accepted it as real. And I thought, I don't, that hurts. I spent a lot of time building uh, building my brand and developing a relationship with fans that's a sincere, real relationship and a real connection. And um, this person is, is, is now, has taken that from me and it's going to require me rebuilding trust and rebuilding. And that was... I'm not, uh, not up to that task, but it's not a task I thought I'd ever have to really approach. And, uh, and that's why it was getting back to the positive of showing up at WrestleMania. That's why it was really beautiful to see, okay, there are some people confused and maybe there's some people who are hurt over what happened, but then there is a large percentage of individuals that get the story and understand my real journey and what that's like to truly uh, go from a situation where you were not desired um, to making yourself uh, undeniable. And uh, I, I want to be there for those folks, but it's a little bit like we've been talking and rambling on this podcast in general about is those ones who potentially got lost because of this, these false stories, um, all you can do is show them, hey, it wasn't that, it was this. And I even got the opportunity how fun is it to go on Monday Night Raw and just go for it? Just to say, hey, this is what it is. It's a real story. Uh, something that happened with me and my dad when I was eight years old. Never forgot it. Uh, the picture's still at my mom's house. The actual title uh, is the physical WWW championship is on my bus. Um, the, there was just, there's never been a time other than now to let's go and let's bring as many people with me as, as we can and have the absolute best time and have fun. Uh, this job's just meant to be so much fun for the fans and us, even though with me, sometimes it's melancholy and angry and real, uh, you know, a lot of tears uh, with me. Um, if that's not your uh, flavor of ice cream, maybe you won't love me, uh, but it's, it's real uh, for, for what I do. And uh, that was really exciting to be able to bring that to Raw 
and then to follow up the, 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 with the most recently and to be able to sit with Miz, who I've had a very long relationship with, um, was, uh, was, was just unique. It's, I'll be straight with you. It's all very surreal still. Um, like I, I've, I've been a little bit more of a hermit than ever because of how surreal this all is. Uh, I haven't connected with everyone I need to connect with just because it's happening really fast. I, dude, I, I, when I was prepping for this last night, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I, I think I tweeted it out. I was like, I genuinely can't believe that I'm prepping for this interview with Cody Rhodes when, yeah. you know, you've been back for two weeks and I was still sitting there thinking like, man, this is crazy. I can't believe, you know, that I'm doing this right now. So I completely understand. I mean, I was at WrestleMania and I was at Raw after Mania and both times felt the exact same way. When you came out, you know, obviously there were the rumors, the, the people thought yeah. it might happen. But when your music hit and it was, you know, the, the Kingdom song and not your old theme and just like you saw the American Nightmare across the screen, like I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it because it was so cool. And I am one of those fans who knows the story and the significance of it all. Um, you know, but you talked about the, the polarizing crowds that you had dealt with at times before. Uh, how nice was it for you when the music hit at Mania and you came out and it was just this universal applause for your return? incredible feeling it's one that i i couldn't i'd have to sit down with somebody and really hash out all the feelings and everything happening in that moment to encapsulate it what it what in one word like what it meant but it was very it was very refreshing and part of the refreshment was looking out and seeing the the audiences are different from the rooms i had been playing before and as I've gotten a bit older and I'm a father now, and I really, uh, I really believe in, in what I do on screen, one thing was nice to see, there's a ton of families that come to WWE, a ton of families. And that, that was refreshing, not that they don't go to other wrestling shows, but just they're more prominent um, at these WWE events and to be able to, to see the kiddos and I don't expect the kiddos to understand this long, almost game of Thrones like journey, uh, that has been, uh, my career, but sometimes they don't need it explained to them as much as when they see it, they get it and they feel it. Uh, and I got to experience that again this past week in Detroit, which was uh, amazing. And to see the movement on the, the shirts and the merchandise. And, um, I, I I'll, t I'll tell you this. I don't take it for granted. Um, if, uh, we're going to get into places where, you know, there are more of a contrarian opinion and, and that's okay. Those are great rooms to play too. Um, I just don't, it was one of those moments where I, I don't take it for granted. I don't expect that every night, uh, which is why when you continue to get it and you continue to feel it, then you just want to ride that wave. That's, that's what we do as, um, whatever you call us. That's what we do. <laughs> Uh, is you seek you seek it out. You seek out the big wave and you ride it. Was there ever any talk of bringing you in before WrestleMania or was the plan always WrestleMania? Uh, the plan, of, I mean, as far as my understanding, the plan was always WrestleMania and nothing was ever considered. And at one point, I saw people talking about Jacksonville and that's a no. That was, again, it's not about leaving. It was about returning, and, and the place to do it was uh, on the, the, you know, at the Showcase of Immortals, on the biggest stage there is uh, in what we, what we do, undisputed, is, is WrestleMania. And there was a lot of synergy and love over the fact that it was Dallas, Texas, and that is where I had my last uh, WrestleMania um, with the ladder match for, for the Intercontinental Championship. So that was there's just a lot of synergy and love and my family has got, we got, we're one of those wrestlers kind of like, uh, Ricky Starks has got like 50 hometowns. Uh, <laughs> I also have, I lived in Denton, Texas. So right outside of Dallas, I've lived in LA, I've lived in, uh, Florida and the roads go back so far in Florida. And then I'm an Atlanta boy where I, where I am now. So it, it felt like one of my, my hometowns. Um, so all the synergy was there and to be on the same card, uh, with Steve, to be on the same card with uh, Kevin Owens, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Becky, Bianca. The, right now, that's a lot of what promoters and bookers, you'll see them just put these mega cards together, these super cards. Uh, I'd, I'd, you'd be hard-pressed to find one that appeals 
on a mainstream level more than what they did at WrestleMania. I, it doesn't exist currently. It's not, it, th that was, look at that. I mean, Brock Roman, Steve Austin, Kevin Noah, just all of this. It's very special to be, uh, be part of that. Undertaker uh, getting to, to say goodbye uh, to the WWE universe. Oh my God, it's the first time I've said it. Oh, I said that's it. the first time you said it. I said WWE Universe. I did it. It's happening. It's only it. been two weeks, but it's happening. <laughs> Damn. Undertaker getting to say goodbye to pro wrestling fans. Uh, it, it was uh, it was very special to be part of that. It really was very special and definitely don't take it for granted. Yeah, man. The, the Undertaker Hall of Fame thing was one of the coolest things that I've seen in person. I was cheering with all the people in the beginning yeah. where it was just, we couldn't, we wouldn't even let them talk. We were all cheering so loud. And then the next day, I, or when I got back to my hotel room that night, I thought, that's kind of dumb. You have to do three more days of interviews and live video, you know, live reactions and all this kind of stuff. And you just screamed and my voice was gone, but it was so worth it. It was such a cool night, such a fantastic. Uh, I really, I really liked that he shouted out Terry who made his gear and uh, Kathy Morell in the travel department. Uh, that, he what a just good individual we talked about that earlier in the call you put your put a team around yourself um that that's ride or die and that's with you and he had his team and to, for them to get that love that was really that was nice to see uh really really special absolutely yeah no he the some people i saw online like on twitter people were like oh too long but honestly i it, i i could have watched it for even longer like hearing him go down the line of each person who helped uh yeah. who meant something to him was very special i was very moved by the whole thing. And honestly, I thought it was really good, good advice that he was giving too in his speech. I, I think that's, that's probably the biggest takeaway is uh, he could have gone up there and raised the lights and tipped his hat and been the undertaker. And he, he gave uh, one other layer in terms of the next layer for him, perhaps in terms of helping others, motivation, uh, someone who has sincerely made it to the top of the mountain. And if you are looking on social and seeing people say anything like too long. Okay. Fair. Maybe it wasn't just, maybe it just wasn't for you. That's really the, I think that speech was more for those who it was intended for. If that, that makes any sense. Uh, you know, we don't have to hate watch anything guys. You don't, you don't, you don't have to hate watch it. You could just not watch it. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I know. I'm trying to be fair. To no, that. totally. I, I wonder that sometimes too. I'm like, like, I hate watch The Bachelor with my girlfriend or my fiance, but uh, I still yeah. I still enjoy it. Like, I'm not actually mad about it. I'm, like, making fun of the things that I see, but, like, I'm not actually disliking. I'm enjoying what I'm doing. So, yeah, I wonder that that sometimes, too. I think I, think I get really perplexed by hate watching because I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> and that fandom, I mean, we've just destroyed each other. <sighs> it's a post-apocalyptic world that we're living on. It might as well be Tatooine, smugglers and pirates, because we, if you're enjoying something, someone else is out there hate watching it, right? I'm enjoying Book of Boba Fett, and then there's someone mad that this guy did a spin before he shot his laser blaster off. <laughs> Buddy, I don't, what, what are we talking about? <laughs> Same with George Lucas. Like, this whole culture of like, there's the anti Disney culture and then there's the anti George Lucas culture. I'm sorry, guys, you really can't be anti-George Lucas. Again, I don't make the rules, but there is no platform for this discussion without George. So maybe be kind in those moments. I just, I don't understand. Star Wars has scared me away from it. Everything I like that comes out with Star Wars, I am genuinely afraid to say, hey, this was special. This was good. Because there's somebody who it deeply, deeply upset <laughs> in a fashion. And I thought, man, it's... I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's that serious, dog. I don't want to. I don't want to dispute it, but I don't know if it's that serious. I just thought it was a good episode. He's riding the rancor around. Hey, the guy did a little spin. Well, I a little spin. I, I think it's good to put the positivity out there when you do like it. You shouldn't refrain from it because I was reading an interview with uh, with Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor promoting the upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi show, and they were basically saying that like for so long now that they you know. They thought that everyone hated the prequels because they got yeah. so much crap when it came out. And so they tried to distance themselves from it as much as possible because all they did was just get, you know, beaten down with hate for these things. But now, yeah. you know, 20 years later, all the people who were kids when it came out 
are all adults coming up to them being like, we loved the prequels when it came out. It turned us oh, yeah. into Star Wars fans. And so it kind of changed their relationship with it and made them able to come back to the franchise. I, uh, now there's a culture of people who says, I love the prequels. I hate the sequel trilogy. <laughs> yeah. And I think, what, what do you guys want? You know? And then you find there's a culture, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about Star Wars, because this really upset. I had my campers one time, and we got into a Star Wars discussion, and this upset one kid really bad. Listen, I don't dislike Rogue One. I don't. What are you expecting with your Star Wars, though? Are they supposed to be gunning each other down in cold blood and serious? Like, you want it to be so serious. Dog, there's porgs, there's droids, <laughs> there's a giant walking carpet who's talking and the guy understands what he's saying i just think maybe our expectations not should be lowered but should be our maybe warmer expectations i don't need a star wars about murder and uh, I, you know you know every now and then like the clone wars and rebels feloni would get into some deeper darker stuff but then there'd be a, a nice little light episode about bounty hunters nice little light episode about the droids going and getting a bath on coruscant you know it's all, it's all fine. It's, it's fine. But then you have those Rogue One people who are like, this is the only good one. <laughs> How? No. The no. universe was set by the other ones. It was set. It's just a part of them. It's just part. It's yeah. not the only good one. It's definitely not, not the only good one. I feel you on that. Because some people say that and you're like, what are you talking about? People get really like, How is it the only good one? Like, <laughs> because they gun the woman down in the beginning and then because of the clearly added scene with him <laughs> ripping everyone to shreds, getting on... Uh, Going after Leia, uh, like, yeah, it, it's, it's great. It's a continuation of this wonderful thing. But just, yeah, I try to be real careful. I told one kid it was my least favorite, but I liked them all. And I prefaced it with, I liked them all. And he was legitimately, I think he didn't come to camp the next day, was legitimately upset at that answer. And I thought, oof. We are taking things far too seriously, guys. We really are. Our, Coming well, from the most serious wrestler on the planet <laughs> who wants you to take all his own stuff seriously and cry with him. Yep, we're taking things far too seriously. <laughs> well, it's different things that you want to take seriously or not. You know, it's, it's different. And, I, and so I, I completely understand what you're saying. I, I think I'm the rogue one of wrestling. <laughs> I think I am now that I went through this whole bit. Good. Good. People will like it. Well, I want to ask you one last yeah. question before I got to get you out of here because I know you have an interview and I'm being told Top that I got to wrap movie. up with you. Hit it. No, but it's, uh, you know, it's Min, the, Men in Black. <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask one last thing. Wait, where did it go? I just want to say, you know, Jim West. did you see Triple H during WrestleMania week at all? Because I know you said, you know, you're, yeah. he's, he is your favorite, you know, favorite wrestler of yours, but he came, you know, he, he was backstage, you were backstage, <laughs> and we've all seen you smash the throne. Did you see Triple H at WrestleMania? I did, um, and he was very, uh, I was kind of careful. I wasn't too careful. In the media scrum, I didn't really say what that interaction was like because I think that interaction to him may be just being normal. This, here he is, one of, you know, upper management, one of the greatest of all time, going through a lot himself. Just that, maybe just talking to me was another Tuesday in Bison style, you know, but for, for me, it wasn't. Um, it was different because... He is one of my my favorites. You have your Sting, your Shawn Michaels, your Triple H, and then I really did model a great portion of what I was doing um, after uh, how he had modeled a lot of the the game brand. But also too, I was I was very very angry, um, and that anger remains as far as how we saw each other, how he saw me, and what I wanted to do and. I wanted to channel that angle, like that anger, differently, but it, it was just a really, it was a really touching moment, and I, I didn't tell anybody what he said, and I, I won't, um, but it, it was a touching moment, and it's not something I, I hear people like, oh, you don't, you shouldn't trust them, you shouldn't trust them. Above all, I trust myself, I do. I think I'm the best in the world at what we do. And that's because I work at it and I continue to work at it and want to and love working at it. Um, but that was, that was a nice moment. Uh, you know, it's not full circle though, until it happens in the ring, that moment. And I know I'm not expecting anything and I'm not talking about anyone coming out of retirement or anything, but wrestlers are this weird cathartic species where it's not real until we do it out there. I know that sounds the irony heavy in this statement, 
But uh, my brother's a prime example. The closest we've ever been to airing our problems out and to sharing our love with one another was when we beat each other half to death and bled literal buckets over each other. There's something about when you're in the ring, that, that experience. Uh, so I look forward to that moment uh, if it ever happens. Well, Cody, thank you so much for doing this today. I very much appreciate it. I didn't even get to my normal opening and closing questions because we had way too much to talk about. So hopefully I get you on again here in the future and we can talk about it then. But really, it's great seeing you top, back in WWE. Top Will Smith movie is Men in Black, probably. Men in Black. But while, I mean, Independence Day and Pursuit of Happiness. But I do want people, if you can get a chance to take a look at Wild Wild West and maybe look at it differently, uh, Jim West. He's a desperado. desperado. <laughs> Running this. Uh, I just want people to take a look at Wild Wild West, if anything, from my first time on Out of Character with Ryan, who uh, many wrestlers never give Ryan any credit. I'm giving him credit now, and I will rescind it years from now. But he helped a lot of people who needed help uh, on the independent scene who were needed a little something from the TMZ man. And, uh, yeah, I'm thanking you well, from me. I thank you for saying that very much, and I hope you have a great day, Cody. Thank you much for doing this. Thank you, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. All right, that was my conversation with Cody Rhodes. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. As you can see, we've got an interesting relationship with each other, and I think uh, you got a real taste of it there. All right, before we get out of here, I got to talk about all the important stuff. Make sure you follow Out of Character on whatever podcast platform you listen on. Subscribe there. If it's Apple Podcasts, if it's Spotify, wherever, make sure you're subscribed if you are listening to this show there right now. Even if you're watching the show on YouTube, which you can also subscribe to on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. If you're watching there, go subscribe to the podcast. That way you can listen to the show while you're driving, while you're working out, while you're cooking, while you're washing dishes, while you're doing whatever, you can listen to me and a WWE superstar chat about whatever. So make sure that you subscribe to the Out of Character podcast feed and the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. And also make sure you follow WWE on Fox on all social media platforms. Okay, that's it. I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this is Out of Character.